Welcome to the Best Place to Work podcast, where we promise actionable tips from real business leaders on building amazing work cultures. Not tips from Google, but tips from the trenches of real-world businesses just like yours. Well, today on the podcast, we have a special episode. We don't sit down with a founder of a company today. Instead, we have Andy Bailey, who is a Petra coach. He works with a number of companies that um, transition from small to mid-sized to large, and he helps them navigate that transition in executive coaching and business strategy, that sort of thing. And so I'm really honored to have Andy on the show today to talk about his process and how hiring someone like himself can help your business and what that would actually include. So thanks for being on the show, Andy. I appreciate it. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it much, too. So, Andy, tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got into business coaching and, and how you work. Sure. So, um, I ran a wireless telecommunications company for 18 years from 1993 and sold it in 2011. And I ran it um, poorly for about half that time <laughs> and then figured out that I needed to make some changes. And I stumbled upon uh, a methodology called the Rockefeller Habits. So, implemented that, those processes into that organization over about, you know, a three-year period of time and then completely changed me as a leader, uh, which I, I think is fundamentally something that we have to do, and then changed, um, you know, the, the way the organization ran. We were able to, you know, uh, grow gross margin by a ton and, um, you know, really do some cool things and ultimately exit the business. So then you tell me about then making the transition into coaching and how you took that and what do you do now with companies? So I, I left the organization in 2000, late 2011-ish, something like that, and decided I was going to take a year, not make any big decisions. Um, spent three or four uh, months of that time working with other companies, helping them implement those processes. And the intent was I would spend time with a bunch of entrepreneurs uh, this big light would shine out of the sky and show me what my next path should be. Um, and I found myself just really enjoying helping people grow their companies and becoming better as human beings and as leaders and as operators and managers and all the things that it takes to kind of build this thing that we all want to build. Um, so I decided to start a coaching practice. At least I started with myself and over a very short period of time decided it needed to be a coaching company. And now we have you know, six or seven coaches, uh, along with coach coordinators for a team of about 13 people today, work with 70-ish companies around North America, helping them implement systems and processes. We call it an operating system uh, so that they can you know, maximize their day and maximize what they have inside of their organization. Now, what kind of businesses are you typically working with um, and what size framers? Is it all over the map? You know, we call our sweet spot this 15 to 125 employee base, you know, like five to 50 million dollars in revenue kind of companies. Uh, we have some that are smaller. We have some that we have started with us that had, you know, the founders at a card table in their kitchen, um, all the way up to you know big multinational companies with thousands of employees. So they run the gamut. Um, we like to work with companies where we can wrap our arms around the entire team. We're very much team focused and working with an entire organization, you know, not just, you know, a group of executives. So, so, um, when you're 
when someone's actually coming to you, what do you, would you say is the biggest pain that they have? So why, why are they reaching out to you specifically? And and they just reach like the end of the rope and they, they pick up the phone and call you or they Google search for a, a local coach. What is the biggest pain that they have when they call you? And we, there's, it can be people, it can be process, it can be, there's a lot of pains. Um, the way we ask that question and we want to really dig into this because it's one of our kind of key areas that we want to make sure that they have what are, you know, they have one of these two pains. And the way I always say it is you need to be incredibly frustrated, like frustrated to the point that you're sitting in the parking lot in your office and you're crying and you don't want to really go in there. You maybe <laughs> even pull into your office and you turn around and drive around for a little while before you go back. Um, frustrated like that, right? I, I just don't know what to do next. Or you need to be fearful. And by fearful, I mean, you can see an opportunity. You know this thing could be something really big or different than it is today. But you also know it's, you're not going to reach that summit with the way you're doing things today. Mm-hmm. So you're just fearful of not being able to fulfill what you know is the opportunity. So frustration or fear has to exist because you know, that's the only way, only thing that's going to lead to change. Um, and many times it's, yes, it's system, just it's processes, but it's people have to change. They have to view things differently. They have to act differently. It's be, it's a behavioral change process as much as it is anything else. And what would you say are some of the doubts that people have before they're working with you? So they have this frustration point. They're like, okay, I need to do something. Maybe they're going to try to do it on their own to, to pick up the Rockefeller habits. I think I watched a video with you where you're talking about the process you go through and you're saying, hey, it's not rocket science and you know how to do these things, but I'm going to help you and I'm going to be your guide. And I think that me as, as, as a business owner, it's like I, I know that having been burned by consultants in the past, but sure. when they – when someone is, is going to work with you, what would you say is the biggest hurdle? They have the frustration. Then what's the hurdle to that they'd have to get over to actually, you know, being so frustrated they call you? There's, there's probably a couple things. Um, one of the most prevalent is they don't believe in themselves enough early on. So, you know, a coach many times will believe in somebody before they believe in themselves. Um, so that, that's a piece. And we see that a lot with companies. They think – well, we've been growing 15% a year, we can grow 15% a year, but they really want to grow 50% and they just don't believe it can actually happen. And it can, we see it all the time. So that, that's a piece of it. Um, you know, we get a lot of pushback or a lot of questioning around, I got to get buy-in from my team. And I, I was, I was up at MIT this week and somebody said to me, you know, as an entrepreneur, do you have an operator's mindset or an owner's mindset. If you think about that for a second, it's the same thing as, you know, I got to get buy-in from my team. Do you have an operator's mindset or an owner's mindset? Whose company is it at the end of the day? Mm-hmm. Like if, if, if things went to hell in a handbasket, it's really you that's left. So it's a decision that you have to make and, and you'll get, you, you make that decision and you stand by it. Mm-hmm. You'll get buy-in from your team. Mm-hmm. So you're saying they're they're operating on an operator's mindset, correct? Not an yep. owner's mindset, correct? So they're kind of wanting to have kumbaya with everyone on the team, not saying we need to be committed to this strategy. Is that kind of what you're saying, or? Yeah, that and you know uh, another statement I heard this week. I've been up there for three days, so I've got a lot of stuff rattling around in my head. He said, um, "If you want to make everybody happy, don't become a leader. Sell ice cream." <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> 
This podcast is proudly sponsored by Waypoint. If you want to get your team aligned and you want to go from herding cats to a well-oiled machine, and if you're sick of the annual review process, then check out Waypoint. It's an elegant tool built for leaders just like you to help you invest in your people and unlock their true potential. Head over to waypointhq.com to learn more. So, so tell me a little bit about the the clients you've worked with, and maybe the the light bulb moments that they have. You know that that you mentioned one, which is the going from an operator's mindset to an owner's mindset. But particularly with maybe someone that you know, I, the E Myth is a good book that I sure. I've read multiple times, and and what that is is really figuring out how to go from maybe someone that was a that was good maybe at making one thing like they say pies in the book, right? And then they say, okay, really you have to transition into being the owner and delegating out and, and making that transition. And that kind of in my mind is like, okay, what are all the, the light bulb moments that maybe you could shed light on to help someone that's maybe wanting to work with a coach like yourself and they they're have these hurdles and it's like, okay, I want, I want a little bit of a taste of what Andy does, like some nuggets of knowledge, you know? Well, uh, I wrote a book on this. It's called No Try, Only Do. It's It'll be uh, on Amazon June the 2nd. And I'm happy to send you a PDF version of that so you can – there's case studies in there that speak directly to this to this question. Um, a couple of them that are front of mind, you know, the first is – and for me, this was very true. Um, in my business, I was, I was a dictator leader, meaning I held all the information. People had to come to me for every decision. And it ended up – Somebody had to hold a mirror up for me so I could see this. And that's what we do as coaches is kind of hold a mirror up and like, look at you, what you're doing. And um, I had to realize that that was a big hurdle for me. And the light bulb for me was my people were smart. You know, our, our, our team was uh, people are smarter than we think they are. And if we will, we'll truly delegate to them well, give them clear, you know, guardrails so they don't crush somebody along the path. And clear expectations of outcomes, but what it exactly is, is it that we want? And if we'll just get the hell out of the way, many times people will outperform uh, what are, you know, to our expectations. So that was really big for me. The other side of that is at the same time, we have to be okay with people making small mistakes along that path and not, you know, running the car off the bridge. So you got to have those guardrails. But, but be it, that's how we learned. You know, we grew up in, as an entrepreneur and you know, I, I built this company and sold it and um, made a ton of mistakes along the way. I still make mistakes. <laughs> but I don't make the same ones I made 15, 25 years ago where these guys are going to make those little mistakes and they have to be able to learn from those. And allowing somebody to, to complete something to a, an 85% so you can put 15% on top of it and make it awesome as opposed to doing it all yourself or dictating it to a point that – it becomes your product and not their product. Mm-hmm. So those are kind of, you know, light bulby type things. Talk about those guardrails a little bit and how you walk through with a company on how to do that. Because I think that's a big, the delegation piece and primarily the trust piece is another thing that came up in a lot of the conversations with companies you talk to. And they say, that's one of the key differentiators of companies that have created a culture that is best place to work. You know, they trust their employees. They give them um, uh, room and autonomy to autonomy. actually do their job. But I think that's hard for leaders. You know, not I mean, not everyone necessarily would call themselves a dictator leader. Maybe they are. But I think they struggle maybe with those guardrails and saying – 
it's not so much I don't trust that person. It's that I don't really know how to build in that system that, that they can function to make those small mistakes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, you know, from what we, from our work and what we do, we, we work with a business. We're going to set very, very clear, um, we call them initiatives. So what are the three to five things that we have to get done three years from now, one year, one quarter, you know, what are the priorities? And those become the guardrails. So uh, along with core values and core purpose and how we behave and kind of all these rules that we agree to play, play by, uh, but getting clear, very, very clear on exactly what it looks like in an end state at whatever time, uh, a time period that may be, whether it's three years or five years or one year or one quarter from the leadership standpoint, if they can get really clear on that, then those become the guardrails. Mm-hmm. So as long as you can, uh, let's say, you know, I worked with a company a couple of years ago, we did an annual planning session and the owner prior to us coming in, the owner would just disrupt the entire day. Like they, they couldn't get anything done. And the COO came to me and said, will you just come please help us facilitate this thing? It's out off the, it's off the rails and we're not getting anything done. So the first thing I did was said, look, owner, um, you're going to get the first 15 minutes of the day and then you have to leave. Like you can't be in the room anymore. So in the first 15 minutes, I need you to tell these people what, you want the year to look like. And he gave them three things. It was uh, something to the effect of, this is where we want our revenue number to be. And at the same time, this is where we want our client satisfaction number to be. So those are kind of balancing metrics because I could drive revenue and not, not perform, mm-hmm. you know, to the same standard. So he has some good balance metrics in there. Um, and then he had some margin in there he said, and, and we want to make this much money. So just by giving them those three guardrails, then we could take that and say, all right, how are we going to get this revenue? How are we going to generate this much margin doing it? And how are we going to make sure that we perform at a level that the customer number stays high? And we got a ton of work done that day without their in, without his interference in this particular case. So I think if an owner, an operator, uh, you know, an entrepreneur can get really, really clear on what they want and boil it down to just a few things instead of this you know, god-awful mess that we often create, then people are smart enough to figure out how to get there. Yeah. No, I think that that's definitely key. Um, how, how does someone go about engaging with you, Andy? Is it like a, do you do, um, is it like different levels that they can work with you or is it, you know, cause I know how much do you have to bite off? <laughs> you don't want to bite right. off more you could chew, you know, talk to talk to me a little bit about that. So a couple things, we built a roadmap of implementation. So, uh, we usually talk to companies that will say, look, it's going to take you from 12 to 36 months to implement all of the stuff that we're going to talk through. And it, and it covers everything from strategic planning to you know executing on what you say to how do we hire? What are the questions you're going to ask in the interview process? What are your rewards and recognition systems? Um, you know, what are your compensation programs? So it covers a lot of ground in everything that we do, all aspects of the business. So it takes time. We're going to start with some more basic things. So quarter over quarter, new pieces get put in, and it's fairly systematic and structured. Uh, we do have different levels that people can engage, meaning if you want to go faster, we're going to put more time, energy, and effort into it. If it's okay, if you go a little bit slower, you know, we'll see you less often, um, and it'll take you a little bit more time. We do even have some group settings where people come together, different companies in a room, and do their planning together, which is kind of cool because you can bounce ideas and thoughts off of other company leaders at the same time. Mm-hmm. 
What do you guys give in terms of like, um, I know one of the things as companies grow, they struggle with empowering their their line managers because they start to grow and then they have to get tiers of management in there and they struggle with when they promote maybe internally to get people into management and they don't really have a good system for that. So they don't really have, um, maybe they get people in that don't have experience with management, but they know the product, they know the business. And do you guys speak to that in terms of empowering those managers to be good leaders? Um, is that, is that wrapped up in exactly the same, you know, system that you guys are using company wide or. Yeah, we'll have, there's lots of training that goes along with what we do as well. We have a, pretty core belief that if the people get better, the business gets better and the business will never get better unless the people get better. So we have to grow them at the same time. We'll focus. It's going to sound a little odd, but we'll focus on their personal lives. What do they want to achieve personally? Lose weight, run faster, you know, rekindle relationships, fix a family, whatever those things may be. Those are actually part of our planning process because if they get better, then the company's going to get better. And sometimes it comes down to that leadership. Like you're talking about, if, you know, somebody needs to understand people and how to communicate better and how to do one-on-ones or, you know, they're just not good at it. Um, I'll, I'll put it this way. We, somebody asked me a couple of weeks ago, should I get executive coaching like one-on-one for themselves or should they, you know, work with us and, and what we do? Cause we work with teams. And my answer was, you know, we're going to work with your entire company. So your entire teams over the course of time which will automatically get you one-on-one coaching. Mm-hmm. So you're going to get better and all your people are going to get better because it's automatically going to include that. If you choose to take the other path, which I don't think is a bad thing, it's just different, uh, one-on-one, you don't get that for your team. And what we notice in companies and even in our own personal lives, uh, if the leadership team continues to get better and better, they get their own coaching, you know, they get their own learning, they continue to read books, they watch videos and you know, listen to podcasts, right? Mm -hmm. They get better and their teams never do. There just gets to be this bigger gap. And then all of a sudden leadership is like, why can't they keep up? Yeah. Well, hell you just outgrew them. Yeah. You didn't afford them the same opportunity. There was a statistic I read recently that said, um, the average business spends and I'll get the numbers off, but the, the impact will be the same somewhere between five and $25,000 from a CEO perspective on learning, right? Per year. Five to twenty-five thousand dollars, zero to five hundred on team members. Wow! And then, and then we as leaders look at our team and go, "Why are we outgrowing? Why can't they keep up?" Well, they're not spending anything, any time, energy, or money on. Right, right. So that's the way we look at that. Yeah. No, I think that's important. I think. Do, why do you think that is? Do you think they don't value it, or they just don't have a framework for it, or they're just saying, "Hey, I, I, it's a low priority," or? not even on the map or (laughs) I think that it's very difficult for, you know, a manager, a supervisor, a CEO, a leadership team, a C-level person to actually understand that they need to be the dumbest person in the room. Yeah. That they need to surround themselves with people that have skills that outweigh their skills. Um, and that's how, that's what makes companies awesome. Yeah, they feel like they they become inferior in that space when really they're not. Yeah, I was talking to a CEO actually on this podcast, and he said 
he's he's took his whole career to learn how to say three words i don't know and he yeah. said you know for there so many are. years as a leader didn't you don't want to say that um but once you learn how to say that you can you can like you said hire people smarter than you but then have humility that opens up i think the opportunity for people to excel you know they which i think is really important so absolutely that's great um anything else you wanted to add andy uh, I think, um, you know, when I was going through the process of implementing all this stuff and I, I went, I went through a program called birthing a giants, which is a three year MIT thing it's in conjunction with EO entrepreneurs organization. And, you know, I brought all this information back and implemented it myself. I didn't know that there was coaches available or I would have found somebody to help me do it you know, more quickly. So those resources are out there. We can help anybody. We're happy to give them resources and answer a question. We have tons of stuff on our website that they can access for free. Just go get it, use it. We call it R and D, rip off and duplicate. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> that's great. You know, it's on there. Please go use it. You know, as you mentioned earlier, I think um, our BHAG is have a positive impact on 10 million human beings. So the more we can give it away, let's go, let's go make an impact. That's great. Well, you can find Andy at PetraCoach.com, P-E-T-R-A Coach.com. Um, we'll also link up a lot of these resources in the show notes, so you'll be able to check those out at BestPlaceToWorkPodcast.com. Um, well, thank, thank you so much, Andy. I appreciate you spending time with us. All right. Thanks, Mike. Talk to you later. Talk to you later. Thanks so much for listening. If you found the show valuable, please give us some love on iTunes. But if there's any reason that you would rate us less than five stars, please let me know shoot me a note at mike at bestplacetoworkpodcast.com.